This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, or your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess. It's about reclaiming your life, and that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. A licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 800-442-7043. sudden bang you're there wow okay uh it's patents too in uh, the blob uh, over there so <laughs> is that the new name of the show it the seems bl- like that's the name of the show that's doing the blob yeah <laughs> you good with that yeah you finally getting the recognition you finally. deserve <laughs> finally got your name on the show and would it matter uh, what do you mean would it matter would it matter if i was actually good or not good with that Oh, that's a good point. No. Yeah, well, if, no, if it you, would not. If you, <laughs> it, well, if he were to really like it, we'd probably stop. <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. If you like loved it, we'd just mm-hmm. stop and turn to something else until we could find something that you really didn't like. Mm-hmm. And we try a new thing every day until we found that thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we're that. We, mm-hmm. we, yeah, we're we're that generous. We, yeah, we, we work. We hard really here. are. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, apparently, um, police are racing uh, to identify as many as eleven people who apparently walked through an open and unattended checkpoint at JFK Airport. Now, when I first saw the headline of the story, I thought, well, it was just a group of people and they're tired of screening everybody. And I thought, good, let's stop this nonsense. (laughs) That's not the story, apparently. The passengers walked through uh, Terminal 5 screening area around 6 a.m. Port Authority uh, told Fox News they said they searched the terminal for these passengers around 8 after getting belated notification from the TSA, concluded that all the travelers likely boarded flights. <laughs> Oops. I mean, wouldn't you say something to some, somebody at this point? Would you? 
I think I, yeah. I yes. think I probably would. I don't think I would just walk through and get on my flight. No, I don't think so either. I think I would want to alert the people. So, hey, by the way, you have no security at this gate right now, and people are just walking through. Yeah. Although, if these are just normal Americans, you know, and obviously they were because something would have happened by now, right? So, big deal. I mean, it didn't, it didn't wind up being anything, but I would think, right. not for myself, no, right, but, but for, I would say, right. like, what if Jeffy's the next person walking through? Yeah. You know, you want security to be present. I don't know. I hate <laughs> Sorry, it. you were even trying to agree with me there, and I still did it. I apologize. No, but, I mean, seriously. Like, you I think, am like, agreeing with you. What if yeah. there's a terrorist that's coming in later? Like, I mean, I, I don't want there to be an open, like, f- you know, funnel for everyone to just kind of go through. and You go walk through so it looked like you already made it through and then say, and hey, then, by the way, I, I noticed made it through. After Nobody's I went through, at this one. After I went through appropriate security at that particular Nobody's entrance, that I noticed one. everyone left, and I'm concerned right. for other people uh, that you should check. But I mean, you, know, you wouldn't want to, you know, you'd want to say something, right? Would you just walk on and get on the flight and just hope no one noticed? See something, say something. That's my motto. See that, something, say no, something. Oh, but it's not your motto. Plus, uh, if, you, plus if, if you're one of the ones that get videotaped going through there, though, right? I mean, even if you weren't doing anything wrong, you, I mean, they're going to find you and wonder why you didn't say something. Well, yeah, they're going to go and they're going to, uh, they're going to pull you off the plane. Right. If they realize it in time, they're going to pull you freaking right off the plane and it's going to be a much bigger disaster for you. So even selfishly, mm-hmm. I probably say something, right? I mean, I'm going to go and say, by the way. You're going like, to go with my motto, see something, say something. <laughs> it's not your motto. Oh, you're right. My motto is always been when it's right, it's right. Why wait until the middle of a cold, dark night? You know, that's been my motto. <laughs> my motto. I don't even know. I know you're making a reference. I just don't know what You don't know Afternoon Delight oh, by okay. the Starland I Vocal know. Band? Of I, course you do. Everybody knows that. I know the song. If not for just from Anchorman. Yeah, right? but I just do don't know. There? I don't know the lyrics. Okay. I know the a- right. afternoon delight. That's about as much as I know. My motto's always been, when it's right, it's right. Why wait until the middle of a cold, dark night? You don't know that? All right. I, I didn't know it until now. Now you do. Now I do. So the next time I reference my motto. <laughs> <laughs> so the motto was he wants to have sex in the afternoon? <laughs> I guess that's, that's his, whole, his actual well, motto. He said it's what his motto's always been. So it's not even like a newly developed no. motto in this particular situation. When he was four, he had that motto. Wait, Holy crap. Afternoon Delight is about having afternoon sex? And it's not really, right? right? Is it not? I think the answer no, to this is. is it's actually I not. I think it is. No, I think it's not. I think, I think it might what not What do you mean you be? think it's not? I, What's I about that? I hate agreeing with Stu again. Okay, this has to be investigated right now. <laughs> Shut down the TSA talk. We'll come back to that. We're going to get back to afternoon delight. But in typical yeah. Pat and Stu style, we must. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it is. Must track down what uh, afternoon delight is about. Because I'm pretty sure it's about getting a, a little something going on. I mean, on that's with what everybody the, made it out to be. Right. Well, of I, course. It's, I mean, it's, it's about going home and... You know, getting it on and then going back to work or whatever. Okay, so right? uh, here's a, and this is uh, coming from uh, Wikipedia, so you know it's true. Yes. Uh, so uh, they were, so the title came from the happy hour menu at Clyde's Restaurant in Georgetown, Washington, where Bill Danoff was eating with fellow band member Margot Chapman and his then wife, Taffy Danoff was undergoing sur- uh, surgery for cervical cancer. This is Ooh. not a good start oh, no, to this story. Wow, that's not happy Danoff so far. enjoyed writing the song and downplayed w- the somewhat controversial lyrics, saying, I didn't want to write an all-out sex song. I just wanted to write something that was fun and hinted at sex. Uh, okay, so it is about sex. Frankly, it's about sex. Although, when I was a kid, I didn't... No. That didn't connect with me. Did that with you, Jeffy? Um, what a I just question. asked. If, I was surprised it was about sex minutes ago. 
I mean, there was a time in adulthood where I heard that song for the first time in a long time, and I thought, wait a minute. Yeah, wait. <laughs> what? That really does happen to me wait, now. It, it happens, happens to me all the time. And I'm like, oh, I remember this song. Holy crap. What was, yes. And you know where I noticed it more than ever? I wish I could remember. There was something just a few weeks ago where I heard it for the first time in a long time. And I thought, what the hell? Would you, what is that song about? That yeah. is a dirty song. And I, I'd never realized it. Yeah, it's funny. I actually noticed I have more of those moments about politics. Where like now I hear a song and I'm like, oh my god, that was just like about praising abortion. Like right. <laughs> you have those moments, mm-hmm. and you're like, wait a minute, I never, I never even thought yeah. about the meaning behind the song because most of them are really dumb and you just don't even think about it. But you realize now, like a lot of them had like some meaning po- politically, whatever. Like for, our, I've said this before, it's like I actually respect uh, um, a musician. Um, spouting and blabbing their opinion uh, in their music a lot more than I do an actor who comes out and talks about it. Me too. Mainly because because that's kind of what they do. Yeah, it's like I'm looking for their, their views on the world. Often, politically related their, or whatever. And it might not be politics even, but it's like yeah, I, I'm looking view, at though. their. Per, I go to an artist who's who's writing lyrics True. for their perspective on the world in some way. So I'm not surprised no, when sense. they express it. When you when sense. you've got a person who's acting as you know. Um, a superhero, and then he comes out and blabs about how bad, uh, you know, Ted Cruz is, it's a little bit more annoying because it's like, I'm not going to you for that. When you've got a guy who wrote Sunday Bloody Sunday, those are powerful lyrics yeah. about a really important time in Irish history and a super important event and a really sad one. And so you expect him to be more, I, I don't know, current events motivated. Exactly. Maybe. Like I mean, you listen to I listen to YouTube Expect lyrics. To care about that stuff. Sometimes he's talking about things uh, that are politically motivated, and a lot of times uh-huh. I don't agree with them. But I, I know that I, I'm there to hear his perspective, right? Like partially. Right. Um, it's now, part of the way he's expressing himself, and I can still disagree with it and be fine with it. Where it's like where I'm hearing it, like you know, you can see like Will Ferrell comes out and tells me how bad George Bush is. Yeah. All right. Or uh. or a guy who is shooting somebody in the head every three minutes on film. And then tells us not to use guns. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can, yes. I, I've got shut no up. patience for that. Uh, you know, uh, shut up is right. Shut up. I can't even barely make it Matt through Matt Damon, you movies. know who you are. Shut up. Liam Neeson, shut up. Yeah, shut up. Neeson's, yeah, he's oh, Liam Neeson's agonizing. Have we heard anything from, uh, from John Wick yet? Uh, A.K.A. Keanu Reeves. <laughs> is he against guns, too? Like, he's got to be. He's got to be. He's I don't know that be. Keanu ever talks about that kind of stuff. I've never heard him talk I, about I, it. But I can't remember a time. It just feels like he would be one of those guys. who's go, I mean, just John Wick will pile up the bodies to like the top of the Empire State Building <laughs> with a gun. But now, then, it sounds like you liked the first one. Have you seen the second i've not seen the second all it's getting great reviews i mean that's look, amazing john wick for a movie like that was you know? they, they say you know you have kung fu they call it gun fu which is basically like him about, doing right? all sorts of crazy things to shoot people and and the body count is through this i mean it's it's unbelievable how many people die in this movie um and it's all mostly him shooting them individually <laughs> that's kind of <laughs> how the movie goes um and i liked it because you know it was like it's it, similar similar tact of taken which is like it's, it's it's sort of a revenge movie, and he goes and he does all sorts of things that you know no human being could actually pull off. But he's, you know, he's you're a, happy he's he did because he's getting revenge. Yeah, and it's a fun, you know, wild, sick, mm-hmm. uh, you know, thing to to be fun for a human being. It's kind of just a fun view. Um, but so, but you know, like you could tell it was not a big budget movie. Like there's some cool scenes, but like some of the acting was, eh, you know, mm-hmm. not, I'm not talking Keanu. I'm talking about some of the other people in it. Um, you know, some of it seemed like they had some corners to cut budget wise. 
Apparently this one they spent a little bit more money on, um, but I never thought of it as like a critical success. Apparently the second one is getting like, when I checked it, and this is what it, when it was first coming out, it was like 90% wow. on Rotten Tomatoes. Which is not, that is not sensible for a Keanu no. Reeves gun-fu movie. But I mean, I do, I do definitely want to see it. I've heard mixed things about it, um, but I do definitely want to see it. It looks like the body count... Is uh, eleven confirmed kills, sixty definitely hit. Uh, and I'm having a hard time reading this chart. <laughs> oh, is that, is that six, one scene? at the bottom? Sixty-five confirmed kills. And that's just in John Wick, the first one. That's John Wick two. John Wick two, I believe. Because I mean, the first one was was high like that as well. And the thing is, like, it's not like he set off a bomb where sixty people died. Yeah. Each one of these people was shot individually, usually in incredibly painful and acrobatic ways, which is why you go. That's why you go to the movie. I don't know why that's okay. It's like the most horrific thing that can happen is one of these things to actually occur in real life, where you'd see all these people get shot. However, yeah. when it's on film, you're just like, eh. You know. I hey, take look. it back. Shots fired, three hundred and two. <laughs> and most and of us realized confirmed that. total kills. I was just getting a partial count, apparently in different parts of the movie. Okay, hundred and twenty-eight. Hundred and twenty-eight people. That's a lot. That's a lot. That is a lot. But, That's a big body count. To be fair. We don't need Keanu coming at us and telling us that guns are bad. No, and he doesn't. No, I, I don't. Heard and I, he I don't know that he does. I don't know that he does either, but I'm just saying. Keep this uh, in perspective, uh, though. Yes. Keep this in perspective. The best sniper of all time in the U.S. military killed 260 people. 260. And this is in, in one, one movie. movie. <laughs> so it probably takes place over a few days or weeks. Yeah, yes. 128 <laughs> people. It's I have lot. to sit through a movie <laughs> for two it's days. It's not war. Pretty intense. Uh, pretty that's intense. amazing, yeah. Uh, but, but, I mean, and, that, and that's the thing, like, and, and think about this from the, the other perspective for a second, because we constantly are criticizing people in Hollywood for doing this. But, like, if you had um, uh, a, uh, you know, if Kirk Cameron, right, here's a guy who's known for his religious activism at this point in his career. If Kirk Cameron took a role in Fifty Shades Darker. Oh, I mean, of course it would be legitimate to criticize him. Sure. He wouldn't be able to say, no, well, I'm just a movie. It's a movie. I saw him having sex with 19 girls and tying them up, and I've never met them before, but that's a movie. And the left would beat the crap out of him. And the left would him. beat the crap out of him, and rightfully so. Yeah. It doesn't, now, if Kirk Cameron was in a movie in which there was subtle, uh, you, know, uh, you know, a subtle, you know, re- you know relations to, to sex or um, some sexual references, I think people would rightly say, oh, that's not that big a deal. Same thing with mm-hmm. if Matt Damon was in a movie where occasionally, you know, like there was a gun that was pulled out and, and he shot one person to make, to, to you know, stop a, a, you know, an assault or something like that. No one would say, like, there's anything wrong with that. But, I mean, the fact that these are movies that are just glorifying the idea that you can go around shooting a bunch of people, and, and it's not does it. It doesn't mean that he really wants people to die by gun violence and he really thinks this is cool. But we all know it's a, it's a fun experience. The same way we would realize that Kirk Cameron wasn't going out there to, you know, because he was praising orgies, right? Mm-hmm. But still, you would have a limit. If it really meant something to you, you'd have a limit of what you wanted to project out there that you're involved in. Um, and the same way that people would criticize someone like that, they would criticize, it's rightful to criticize, I think, Matt Damon for doing this. No, it does not mean that Matt Damon loves guns. It doesn't mean that Matt Damon wants gun violence. It doesn't mean secretly he's this big Second Amendment guy because he does a movie. We understand there's, you know, we understand that there's a, a, 
a part of that that's fantasy. But there's also part of it that you can control. Yeah. And if every one of your freaking movies seems to be about you shooting a bunch are. of people, and they, are. they are a lot of them. I mean, if the next Jason Bourne movie, he's handing out daffodils, okay, well, then he's changed a little bit. And he <laughs> yes. maybe believes what he's saying about guns and gun violence. Because you sure don't want to glorify the thing you hate so much, right? And don't these movies do that? These movies glorify the thing that you claim to hate so much because you're using it all the time to make a heck of a lot of money. Yeah. What does he make, $20 million a movie? I mean, uh, to, to do that freaking crap heap he did in China, it had to yeah, be no uh, even more than that. They should have been paying him 40 for that thing. They, pro- they might have. They might have. I mean, and we were talking about the Great Wall, um, and we made this point, and I think it was on the show. I don't even remember. But it was, uh, it made something like $20 million here and $248 million in China, in, uh, overseas, mm. um, largely in China, because um, I guess that was the target of this movie. Um, not really even a movie made for you, and that's the world you live in right now. Um, you know, uh, be, the money is not just here anymore. I will say China is the basketball haven of the planet, though, right now. Uh, BYU's own Jimmer for debt. Yeah. Burning up the Chinese. That is a great story. I love that story. Burning up the Chinese league right now. <laughs> He's averaging like 40 points a game over yeah, there, he isn't is. he? Eight yeah. rebounds a game, 40 <laughs> points, five steals. The That's other night he fun. scored 73 points. Really? 73. Nice. So they're saying now maybe Jimmer gets another shot at the NBA. We'll see. But I don't know. You can't play defense. So what are you going to do? 888 back. 888 As you said. In typical Pat and Stu fashion, if you were to diagram that break, oh my gosh, you would actually, you would burn down the broadcasting school that taught you that break. Uh, so I don't know if we apologize for that or what, but uh, I don't know. Or maybe we've just created something better. <laughs> That's just a psycho- what, what, what it was the t- okay? So there was the TSA. TSA to- led to. Um, what did the TSA lead to? I, uh, oh, skyrocket in flight yes. after, after the light, light because that's my motto. motto. Wait, well, how did we get to motto? Led to uh, because we wanted to say see something, oh, say, see something, something. say something. So something. TSA, to, if you see something, say something. <laughs> to to motto. my motto is afternoon delight. Was that sex or not? <laughs> Uh, right. Then to artists, or, uh, singers, it's okay for them to express their opinion, Except but not actors. actors. Right, right, then right. to Matt Damon, then to and Keanu Reeves, then a, a review, a body count of John Wick, uh, ending Into up... Into the Matt Damon movie on China, in China which made a, me think of Jimmer Fredette in China. Who <laughs> <laughs> played basketball for BYU. <laughs> we need to we need to do that uh, when we have one of these breaks, oh, which is way too common. <laughs> Uh, and but uh, fun. <laughs> we really need to just diagram them for on like and the Instagram page yeah, or something yeah, and get fun. it out there so to see what you're missing on patents to today. This chain of events train in one segment. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's uh, well, that's crazy talk. That might have broken and a record. That right that was pretty. It impressive. really made. That was impressive. That was pretty I, I can't believe shot. we actually got back through the whole chain of events because usually I can't even remember, you know, three minutes ago what the hell I'm talking. I about. know. Uh, okay, so there you go. Uh, and that break, that one you just heard, brought to you by my Patriot Supply. And you're welcome. And they're thinking to themselves, why did wow. I just purchase that? Uh, we don't know, but we can tell you what you should purchase, which is uh, four weeks of food for $99. Why are you going to do that? Well, you have uh, issues uh, that pop up. You can't always see them coming. Mm-hmm. You, don't, you don't know what's going to happen around the corner. You want to prepare for what could come. And you know, the, one of the main things you're going to need in that situation uh, something bad happens, natural disaster, terrorist attack, loss of job. You're going to need some food. Why not take care of that right now? Yeah, and the thought process up until recently had always been 
if you're hungry enough, you'll eat anything. Which is why we stored things like beans and rice and wheat and barley and flour. And then so when you get to a place where you need to eat something, you got to find a way to prepare something out of those ingredients, right? This takes all of that nonsense completely out of the equation because it already comes prepared and it's delicious food. Things like pizza and you can see some of the things, that, the delicious stews, the pancakes. Yeah. I mean, the soups, the soups and the rice, the rice and, the, and the, did I mention pizza? They've got emergency food pizza. Mm. And yeah, the pancakes. Fantastic. Pudding. 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 Oh, Fettuccine man. Alfredo. Oof. Man, you know, every time I think... Every time I, I have pancakes, I think to myself, why don't I eat more pancakes? It's a good I, like, question. I just don't understand why uh, I just don't eat them every really day. really good question. They're just so delicious. Oh. They are. Um, anyway, so if you want to see, that was going to start a whole other thing. And then it would have been another 40 <laughs> it minutes. It was really close, too. And we would have ended up on somehow a Chinese basketball player, probably again. Right. Uh, 888-411-5290 is the number. 888-411-5290 or preparewiththeblaze.com. It's preparewiththeblaze.com. Uh, kind of a fun moment on uh, NBC yesterday. Yeah, it's an interesting. MSNBC. It's an interesting one, and mm -hmm. uh, one that I kind of started off feeling one way about, and, and kind of turned around afterwards. It's a it's a weird moment, uh, but let's give it to you in the order that uh, that it happened. This is Katie Tour on uh, MSNBC talking uh, um, to a Republican congressman about Russia. This is what happened. He also has a number of people that were, at least in, in his administration uh, until last week, who were friendly with Russia, General Mike Flynn being one of them. Uh, his former campaign CEO was Paul Manafort, who's got ties to Russia. Um, his Secretary of State was given the uh, Medal of Friendship by Russia. So uh, you say there's a lot of conservatives who are going to push back on Russia, but I see a lot of uh, folks within Donald Trump's administration who have a, a friendlier view of Russia than maybe um, past administrations did. Well, I think it was Obama that leaned over to Putin and said, I'll have a little more flexibility to give you what you want after the re-election. I'm sorry, I don't know what you're referring to, Congressman. Remember when he leaned over at a, at a, uh, what? At a panel discussion or at a meeting and he said, I'll have more flexibility the after here. the election. No one really ever this. pushed the president on what well he meant done. by that. But I can only assume for a thug like Putin that it would embolden him. Congressman Francis Rooney, Republican of Florida, thank you so much for joining me. Okay, Happy I'm President's going to leave it there because I have no idea what you're Thanks. talking about because I've never even heard it. I've never heard about it. I, I didn't know Obama did anything like that. I've never seen it. I've never heard it. I live in a little bubble. I don't want to know. <laughs> I'm just a cute little NBC journalist, and I, I got by on my looks, and that's why I have this job because I don't know anything. <laughs> and that's kind of how I took it initially. I have to that's say how that's I how it I took it initially. initially. And, and, yeah. and, and I think that that, look, She's on MSNBC. She's talking about this topic. It's an important data point. I don't think that it necessarily disproves what she said, by the way. It kind of does because I she don't says think so. it's one... more friendly than previous administrations. Right. It, but the last administration just did this right. whole thing. The last administration has one, you know, has a couple things, you know, uh, that, that you can point to. Reset button. Right. 
Um, mm. uh, and and uh, I would say the 2012 stuff was important. In fact, when he was saying, uh, well, you know, Russia mm. called and they want their, or the 80s called, they want their uh, foreign right. policy back. Right. They obviously were had a friendly relationship at times. Though I, I don't think that this, because they had a friendly relationship at times, disproves uh, that, that uh, Trump's is closer. I mean, Trump's relationship with Putin is uh, notable. Uh, even if you're a conservative, notable, even compared to Barack Obama, who wound up kind of at the end really being uh, having an adversarial relationship with them. Um, but but whether you think that's true or not is not the point. The point is, I'm sure, as she would, I think, admit that she probably should have known mm-hmm. about that incident. But what I kind of like afterwards is the way she handled it, which there's so few of these moments these days that I really like when they happen, which is she went on uh, uh, on Twitter afterwards and said, um, she, she talked about that she wasn't, she's not been a political reporter. Um, and she right. said, uh, to be fair, I didn't touch politics in 2012. I almost exclusively covered fires and shootings in the New York City area. But I like this part of it. I'd rather be honest about what I know and I don't know in the moment. I got off air, did the research, and then talked about it at 5 p.m. on, I guess, is that Meet the Press Daily, MTPD? Good for her. Uh, that's Good great. Her. That's a great way to handle it. Uh, yeah. That's a great way to handle it. Again, ideally. She, she knows, just admitted she knows it. it. She but, fessed up and said, yeah, yeah I looked what, into it. It's true. But what did she do? She said, I didn't know. Yeah. She admitted that, which is hard for a reporter to do. She said, I mm-hmm. did the research, which is what we would complain about reporters not doing. Like, hey, go out there and figure it out. If you got something wrong, go out and figure it out. She did that. And then she actually went back on TV and talked about it afterwards. Mm-hmm. I mean, while obviously I think she would say that she wished she knew about it in the moment, if she didn't, she was honest about it. She rectified the situation. And I think that that's, that's a positive thing, you know? I mean, I, there's so few moments where people... Because I would say my typical impression of an MSNBC reporter in this situation would come up with some bizarre justification about how it's totally different, say Obama was great, and that the new, guy, uh, new guy's terrible, and I was right, and I knew what you were talking about. Of course I knew what you were talking about. Instead, she actually she shows some humility and yeah. says, gosh, I, w- I didn't know about that, and I looked it up. Man, I, I wish I knew. I, that's and a good I've moment. seen her in a couple of these clips. I, I, I don't know... Katie tour at all but Mm -hmm. I've just seen a couple of these clips and I I don't want to do to her what everybody does to Glenn yeah and so but she's looked silly in a couple of these clips and she's had a few of these moments but uh this makes up for a lot of it yeah I mean I I can't like I like her better now not everybody's (laughs) perfect not everybody knows everything if you make a mistake you know it's one thing if you make a mistake and then you're belligerent about your mistake You know, it's another thing if mm-hmm. you make a mistake and you mm-hmm. rectify the situation and you, you know, I, I think that's okay. And it's okay that she's concerned about Trump's relationship with Putin. Yeah, so that's am okay I. Too. Yeah, so, so am I. I. So am I. I don't know why all Republicans aren't, but somehow they're not, apparently. And anyway. even the congressman there, I think, in his uh, mm. criticism of this, you know, uh, of of saying essentially previous administrations were better on Russia, he may, brings up the Putin thing, which was an important moment mm-hmm. with Medvedev uh, in that conference. Uh, but I think he he also calls him a brutal tyrant or whatever. He's a thug. Yeah. He calls Putin a yeah. thug. He's concerned about apparently the relationship as well. Um, and I you know I think that that's okay. You know I mean I I feel like and this comes back to the to the stuff with Milo and it comes back to every one of these controversies. I know I'm not going to get my way on this, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to sit here and bitch about it and complain to you every day and hope for the standard. Which is can we just say sometimes things happen and they're not that big a deal? You know, sometimes things happen and people do things and, you know, they might be mistakes or 
you know, maybe, you know, the, with the Milo thing, I mean, that's a big mistake. Uh, and, and I think, I don't think it was a mistake to him. I think it's what he really believes. Mm-hmm. But do I have to care about every one of these things? Do I have to, do I have to fly off the handle and make it ruin my life that I have to sit here and tweet 900,000 times about every one of these things? When Katie Turm does this and she makes a mistake, but she takes the time to actually do the research and rectify it, shouldn't we come back the next day and say, hey, thank you for doing that for once? We just did. You know, and we did. I I know that we are doing something I think that nobody Mm -hmm. else is doing, or at least not that many people are doing. Um, But I want to hold that standard up. Yeah, I do too. That's what I want to happen. And I know I might not get my way with social media and everything else, but I'm going to try to do it anyway. You know who hates? Who hates people? Who hates America? Nestle. What? I mean, first of all, I don't care because I want to eat their food. But second of all, why? They hate. They don't want to pay taxes in California. They don't want to pay their burdensome taxes. Can you believe these anti-American scumbags, these traitors? No, I, to, they seem to they, America. When you say traitors and <laughs> scumbags, you mean rational human beings? Yes. Okay. That is exactly what <laughs> I mean. Okay. That's a weird way to state uh, it. They, they're leaving California right now. They've announced uh, moving business operations from California to Virginia because of the Golden State's burdensome tax rate, skyrocketing cost of living. Boy, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. And culture of anti-corporate activism. Good for them. Good for you, Nestle. I think that's awesome. And you talk about high tax rate and cost of living. Jeez, California is ridiculous. Uh, if you ever watch a realtor show or real estate show based in California, like you that mean, one where the... Realtors? Is that realtors? What you okay. Yes, realtors. The national Only realtors can be... Uh, members of the National Association of Realtors. Which is shocking when you think about it. Because I thought they'd let in, like, no. you know. People, mechanics? Auto mechanics? Yeah. No. Weave, people who weave. Postal employees? Actually, we uh, should no. sue Basket them. weavers? Huh. Yeah. Actually, we should sue them for not letting us in. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Well, they, they should let in. Why? Why are you so exclusive to our kind? But do you ever watch HGTV? Do you ever? Uh, I mean, pretty rarely. There's a couple I, in, I'm not in, in California. Lo- She's really pretty. This is what's the one that, that's a Magnolia? Uh, yeah, that's the um, the Gaines Waco. Fixer that's Fixer Upper. Yeah. There. So those are they're great because of that show. Uh, and you know, there was some controversy around it. And actually, I went to this Magnolia place in Waco um, fairly recently, which was oh, oh you did yes. you went? Oh. Was it great? The food was so good. They had so much food there. You're kidding. Yeah. They have a whole they have a whole like courtyard with just food trucks all around it. Yeah. Uh, and you can just go and like buy stuff and well, you know, hey, your wife's she's looking at furniture or whatever and you're over at the food truck place. You, I, I mean, she, and my then, wife is planning a trip. I mean, now go. Oh, you got to go. And then the bakery they have there is seriously the thing I the things <laughs> plural very plural as you can see. The things I purchased there were some of the best bakery items I've ever had. I mean, the, really? they were awesome. And then, you know, like it's one of, they had a grilled cheese food truck. They had some uh, tons of them. They had like 10 of them. Wow. Um, cool. And they, it, so worthwhile. Um, you know, it's not a full day thing, I would say. It's and by a, the way, another break worth. that you're going to diagram later, and you're going to find a lot. <laughs> Sorry. A lot of uh, side roads. But these are good side roads yes. because I, I'm getting to the flipper flop people. It's okay. the really pretty blonde yeah, and, the, yeah, the, and the guy. The flip and, and by the way, they're breaking up now, which is oh, weird. No. Yeah, they're splitting apparently. We, getting we've, well, we've lost. It's the same thing over and over again. It is? What do you Every, mean? That, On that show? Yes. Yeah, so, well, because yeah, the only reason so, I knew that show is because you always compare that as a bad version. Right, that's a bad version yeah. of the good fixer Yeah, it is. Yes. Yeah, flipper flop is the one that they do, and they do it in Southern California. And so... 
these two go find fixer-upper places uh, that they can fix up and sell for more money. So they'll try to buy it low and sell it high and try to keep the remodeling costs down in the meantime. But they'll find these places that are dumps. Yeah, well, I mean, well he does in particular. Absolute He does in particular dumps. because he goes out on his own without her, and she gets mad. Yeah. Because he picked a place that we didn't even look at. But the point is, California's <laughs> cost of living is, is outrageous. so ridiculous. Outrageous. That you'll see a place that's 1,100 square feet, one bedroom. Beat to crap. I mean, it is a dump. There's rats. There's garbage. There's crap. The yard looks like garbage. It's turned to weed or or dirt. And it's like $290,000. Mm. $350,000. <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, like a decent place w- with two bedrooms will be a, a million dollars. Oh, million, million easy. I mean, the, the prices in California are are ridiculous. Uh, so all businesses should probably move out of that state. Yeah, there was a time, and I, I, I don't know if this is true anymore, um, but that the average, you know how they do that? They have that calculation of you should spend 2.5 times your salary or whatever. I don't remember what yeah. the statistic was, but it's whatever on your home. Like Forever a, it's always certain, been, I thought, two and a half. Two and a half? Is that, okay. So it's, I, and I don't remember the exact details of this, but it was several years ago, and we were talking about this exact topic of like how real estate had gone through the roof and in and, and some of these cities. And at that time, the if you were a player on the San Francisco Giants at playing at minimum salary, you could not technically afford the average house in the area. Well, the average house, not even a good house, the average house I, in the area, I you would not it. typically qualify. If you were a major it. league baseball player, mm-hmm. Now, minimum salary, if you don't know, for Major League Baseball is, what? It's, it's, you know, right now, it's probably four or $500,000 a year. Close yeah. Yeah, I mean, back then, it was probably in the threes. Um, but, I mean, again, if, if, you're, if the average house is $900,000, and I don't remember what area it was or if it was just one Still, though. San Jose or whatever it was. It might have been Silicon Valley. Whatever it was at the time, that, that actually played out. And, like, that's incredible. That's insane. That's insanity. It and it's also, it also shows how insane things like a minimum wage are. It's like, mm. if there's a place right. where a major league a baseball player can't afford a, uh, a, um, uh, a house in their local area, how the hell can you assign a minimum wage for Idaho and New York City and San Francisco all at the same time? It's so stupid. Right. Even if you believe in, in minimum wage, it should be localized. And this is why businesses are exiting California at an amazing rate from 2008 to t- 2015 at least 1,687 California companies moved out of state. That's a, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Toyota shifted its U.S. headquarters and thousands of jobs from Torrance, California to Dallas, Texas. Can you imagine if you're a family in, in Torrance in Southern California and you're paying uh, $800,000 for 1,000 square feet and you move to Dallas, Texas, where $800,000 will get you 4,000 square feet. Oh, probably more. Yeah. I mean, it's got to change your life. Well, it's got to change your life. We, when we moved down here, and it wasn't nearly as dramatic as this, but when we moved down here from, uh, I mean, yours was Connecticut, so it might have been well, as dramatic. Pretty, yeah, I was in was Pennsylvania where it was a little bit cheaper probably, um, and Jeffy was, 
I mean, somewhere about 600 miles away from where we worked, and in a in a in, a, uh, in some sort of it was dilapidated. A yeah, it was a shanty. shanty is a good word for mm-hmm. it. Although it's you know, shanties <laughs> would be pissed at that description. Yeah, they. Would. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> point the point is, the shanty I have in Dallas is that much better. <laughs> you gotta, but this is the point. Jimmy lives in a freaking great house in Texas. <laughs> I mean, and Jimmy, we pay him like eight dollars a year, and somehow he lives in this beautiful house. And it's a situation where when we came down here looking at real estate, it was as if somebody had the price gone out and screwed up and put the wrong prices on all the houses. Because when you're up in, 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 in the Northeast and you come down to Texas, you're like, how, how on earth is this that price? Now, the prices since then have gone up a lot. Yes, they have. Increased. Here in Dallas. But, but they're still I will for say, the Northeast. I think the prices here are where they should be elsewhere. It's... Yeah. This is more reality than California is. Oh, totally, I mean, totally. that housing bubble is going to burst and, and burst in a big way. You got to believe. So, And that's a real shame for California, by the way. It is. That's a real shame. It actually shame. is. I do like California. I, it could be a really great place to live. If you could change the mindset and the cost of living and the taxes and the smog. And, no, the earthquakes. Uh, the earthquakes. Uh, be great. Be flood, great. The flooding. <laughs> if you could change that. There's a report from the Environmental Working Group that has warned us that about 218 million of us are exposed to potentially dangerous tap water. You don't mm. want that. Yeah. You just don't want that. Uh, exhibit A, Flint, Michigan. Yeah. Eesh. That's still going on, too, isn't it? I mean, that's still yes. a nightmare. I still mean, dealing with it. Government can even screw up water. Uh, that's kind of amazing. Um, and, you know, you need something. It's funny because if they had this product, and if, if you're in Flint, Michigan, you could actually, I would think, you pour the tap water in Just here. Pour it out of there and drink it. Yeah. I, mean, I never actually asked the guys at Alexa here whether uh, that, you know, Flint is the right example for that. I can almost guarantee you it is. Yeah, but, I, you know, this is what they do. They take out 99.9% of 92 contaminants found in, in uh, tap water. And Plus, we're talking about lead, which was one of the big culprits there. It also just takes out the skeeve factor for me. I, I'm just skeeved out by tap water now. I don't know. I'm just so spoiled by the more pure water, or at least the perception of the more pure water and bottled water and whatever. But that's really expensive. You buy this, you put the tap water in here, it filters out all the crap, you're left with delicious, pure water, and, and at the, a fraction of the cost you'll pay for bottled. And by the way, with this, with the filtering going on with the Alexa Pure, you're actually hitting a much higher standard than bottled water. This is not like... Oh, not, by far, yeah. You don't even have to compare it to tap water. Compare yeah. it to bottled water. It's actually a lot better than bottled water. Yes. Uh, so if you have this, the Pat Gray uh, skeeve factor, mm-hmm. which maybe we should copyright... <laughs> Uh, you really need the Alexa Pure. Go to getalexapure.com or call 888-895-7746. This is easy. It's easy. It's going to fit in your refrigerator, and you can have fresh water all the time. Looks good, too. It does. Yeah, cool. It's a nice-looking unit. Getalexapure.com or call 888-895-7746. Do it now. Triple eight seven two seven Beck. Hi, it's Pat Stu. Uh, oh no! Really, they really put James K. Polk Tuesday here. They want us to do a new James K. Polk Tuesday. <laughs> Just because James K. Polk James was. James K. Polk oh, Tuesday. Go. This has got to be Keith Malinax. That doing. absolutely is one hundred percent Keith Malinax doing. This is not going to happen every week, so. Don't even start. Do the jingle again. I just can't just do it once. It's got to happen multiple times throughout the entire segment. James K. Polk Tuesday is a. It's a it's a legend on the show. 
Is it possible to play the jingle again? There you go. Apparently it is. It's just wow, that does take uh, take you down memory lane, though. Doesn't it? It does. Yes, I miss it, it does. I miss James K. Polk Tuesday. Although I don't want to bring the segment back. I just like the jingle. <laughs> uh, but James K. Polk Tuesday. See? Get you. this. When he was 17 James years old. James K. Polk Tuesday. Okay. All right. No. When he was 17 years old, uh, he had urinary stones. <laughs> we did this. Okay, now press it again. I... Uh, there you go. I've heard of kidney stones. I don't know what urinary stones are. Jeffy? Well, when it comes to the urinary tract, I always go to Jeffy, who uh, is, they call him Mr. UTI. In, in fact, in, uh, if I remember the James K. Polk urinary stone story, James K. Polk Tuesday. Uh, it was quite an ordeal. Uh, really? They cut him up pretty bad to yeah, get they, well, uh, he, those stones out. Here's fact, the thing. It, it he had no painkiller. None except whiskey. Yeah, it ruined his uh, his uh, manhood for uh, quite some time. Did it really? <laughs> okay. So uh, it was so, the first. So uh, is that where we're going to end the fact with he ruined his manhood for, for a quite long some time? time? James K. Polk Tuesday. And James K. Polk <laughs> ruined his manhood for a long time. James K. Polk Tuesday. So he could, he was the first president of his inauguration reported by Telegraph uh, as well. I don't have anything to do with the urinary stones, but that's another fact for And that, that is, is James K. Polk Tuesday. There you James go. K. Polk Tuesday. And that will never happen again. <laughs> and if Keith Malinak comes to you uh, in the control room and says, we need to play this over and over again, no. No, that he's, he did not get approval for this request. Yeah. So there you go. All right. All right, uh, Bill Gates uh, is back in the news. If robots are going to take over human jobs, that means fewer people will be able to work. This kind of goes back to the Elon Musk thing we talked about yesterday. It means fewer people will be paying taxes. That's a problem. Government needs its cash, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Bill Gates has an idea for solving the deficit. Have the robots that take human jobs pay their share in taxes. Bill Gates may have gone insane. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sad to, to report. Uh, well, let's listen anyway. Right now, the human worker who does, say, $50,000 worth of work uh, in a factory, the income is tax, and you get income tax, Social Security tax, all of those things, says Gates in an interview with Quartz Senior Editor-in-Chief Kevin Delaney. If a robot comes and does the same thing, you'd think that we'd tax the robot at a similar level. Will we just not pay the robot? Yeah, see, that's the thing. You don't pay robots. That's why they're less expensive. Yeah, you kind of don't. So hmm. uh, weird. Uh, that's just strange. bizarre. I mean, I, there are a lot of these weird ethical questions and, and, and major societal changes that could be coming with this sort of revolution we're in the middle of, um, where, you know, Elon Musk talked about it as, like, it's going to take a bunch of jobs, and then a lot of people aren't going to have jobs. You're going to have to give them universal income. And he even mm-hmm. said, I'm not necessarily rooting this on, but, uh, you know, it's going to have to happen, And then, which, again, I, I, would, I would still oppose it. Uh, but then, as you go forward, how do people assign value to their lives? How do people get meaning out of their lives? Um, right. A lot of people say, you know, again, we walk, you walk into someone and the first time you meet them, so what do you do? I mean, it's one of the first questions you ask a person because it's mm-hmm. so foundational to who they are. And what if the answer is nothing? Jeffy, how did that happen when people asked you that? And the answer was just big, fat, zilch. Just say nothing. Don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) This is what it's like to be at a party with you. You have to have shame in order to be shamed. You know what I mean? He has none. So uh, he's not a good example. More (laughs) Pat and Stu coming up in a sec. (laughs) (laughs) What do you have for Jeffy time, Jeffy? 
I can't wait to hear it. Here are some stories that Jeffy found and felt like sharing with us so we don't have to talk anymore. All right, throwaway segment on the show. Jeffy, what do you got? It's just a throwaway segment? Is that all it is to you, Stu? That hurts. So far. It hurts. Over over 100 headstones (laughs) at a Jewish cemetery at the University of City in Missouri was vandalized and knocked over. Now... That in itself is a, is a story, and it's a, you know, it's, it's a horrible story. But police believe the act was organized and that the crime was carried out by a group of people. And at this time, this was last night, at this time, police cannot determine if this was a hate crime or not. You know what? I'm guessing it was. Really? I'm hey, guessing you're gonna it was. Go on that limb, I'm guessing huh? it wasn't a crime of love that we tipped over hundreds of Jewish headstones. Well, it could have been a... A crime of amazing dispassionateness. It's just like, I don't care. You know? It's like, whatever. I'm just going to knock some of these over. Now, there have been dozens. Right. One of the things I found Maybe fascinating. They didn't hate. One of the things I found fascinating about the story, though, they talked about uh, all the uh, dozens of bomb threats made earlier mm-hmm. uh, around the country at Jewish community centers. Yeah. Uh, yesterday. I mean, they were evacuated. And there have been 69 threats. Since January 9th of this year, you don't say. I mean, that's that's a lot. That is a lot. That, I mean, that, that, there's got to, there's something to that. And again, I go back to I'm guessing it's a hate crime. I think I think the you don't think it's ahead. dispassionateness. I don't. No, it's amazing. I don't. Uh, I I, I, it's such a dumb standard, right? I mean, I, the hate yeah. crime it's, thing is so stupid. It can only be a hate crime if it's directed toward. You know, Muslims or um, another minor, minority, blacks or Hispanics. Yeah, someone was telling me about a Law and Order episode they saw recently, where uh, they were saying that the, the case was a gay. Of course, these are all ripped from the headlines, or ripped off, ripped from, the off headlines. from the headlines. Um, and so they, uh, so I, I assume there's a story behind this, but it was a gay prostitute who murdered two gay clients, and they were trying to get a hate crime against the gay prostitute because the gay prostitute was pissed off that these other two guys could go through their life being gay and, and okay. Dun-dun. Dun-dun. That's what happened. And they, it, was, it wound up being a hate crime. So Jeez. a gay guy could commit a hate crime against another gay guy. Who knew? Oh, wow. At least according to Dick Wolf. In the, the criminal uh, justice pro- system. <laughs> produced by Dick Wolf at the end of every episode. Okay. <laughs> and these are their stories. Tom Brady, $500,000 to Nolan Jersey. Or at least what that claim, that's what it could be worth. Mm-hmm. And more if he had, I saw one guy talk about how he, uh, if he had the helmet, the jersey, the pants, the socks and the shoes, the entire uniform, uh, almost a million uh, mm-hmm. from okay. the Super Bowl victory. Chump change uh, we still haven't, I know, mm-hmm. I really chump change. But very disappointing, we still haven't found his jersey yet. So if you know where Tom's jersey is. Mm. It's interesting because it it's one of those things that is of extreme value. However, is only of extreme value if you can sell it, and you can't sell it if everyone's if the Texas Rangers are out looking for you. Right. Um, I, but I, I guess I guess this is how like artwork gets you know shady art. There's some black market that this will be sold eventually probably. Yeah, I would guess that that'd be true. But I'm you know I'm kind of disappointed that it wasn't uh, uh, the laundry guy, and it still could be right. 
he said he put it in his bag, but really he could have tossed it in his bag. And the laundry guy comes by and says, "Hey, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna clean it and pick up all the stuff in the locker room." Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, he's got it. It does look un. It does. He was still sitting at his locker, half yeah. in uniform, discussing it with being missing. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it I, seems kind of strange. It doesn't seem like it was a laundry guy. And I'd also like to uh, point out that today, yes. February 21st, yes. is National Sticky Bun Day. So I'd like to have uh, our producers bring out. Come on, the, Marissa. The sticky buns. Sticky and, buns. And uh, sticky buns. Bring them out. Let's bring it out. Show the audience their bring sticky right buns. Is that a cinnamon bun? What is what is this? What's sticky a, bun day. This is essentially. Well, you're going to see them yeah. in a moment. Okay, I'll see them here they come. Here they come. Where are they? Good morning to you. It's time for the all request lunch hour. <laughs> Good morning to you. Give us a little jingle. Uh, and our all request. And uh, we're going to put on your all favorite song for you. All request lunch time. All request lunch hour for you. Triple eight seven two seven V E C K is our number to call. We'd like to get it on for you this uh, this hour. We're going to start with afternoon delight. Uh, Starland okay. Vocal Band from the year of our Lord, 1975. And then Sticky Bugs, which is not really a song, but should be, or at least the name of a band. How is Sticky Buns not the name of a band? And by the way, where are the Sticky Buns? Well, it's Thank a really you. good question. National Sticky Bun Day today. Don't forget, also, traffic and weather coming up together every four minutes on the twos. Uh, so that's, <laughs> that's, uh, that's on the way. Clock doesn't work. Every four minutes um, on the twos. I've been trying to tell you that that does not. Does not the, what? The clock does not work. What do you mean? Oh, we, we, we got to get there. Work. Okay, we're working on getting cl- the clocks fixed. Uh, plus, <laughs> morning is broken, of course, and we've got a crew out there to fix it right now. Um, <laughs> you should know that Pat actually—that was him on the radio for many years. Uh, the, the reason he can just rattle those off is because he did that radio in like Montana. It's very sad for a long time, but very true. Very sad, but very true. South American country of Venezuela, uh, infamously is known. Is still a country? Yeah, apparently. Okay. Sort mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. Known for its wide-reaching socialist policies, uh, the left the country devastated, by the way, has reached a point where its citizens are losing almost 20 pounds due to their lack of food. Yeah, see, that's what happens when uh, I don't, you let your country go to hell from socialism. Yeah, and I, that's starvation why I, diet. I don't understand why it's so popular with the left. Socialism, they, they don't want to admit it, most of them, but they love it. They love socialism. They love socialist policy. That's why they always talk about, well, in Europe, and just Sweden and, uh, and Finland, they're great countries and really well. No, no, they're not. No, it's not great there. It's, it's not fantastic there. They're, their standard of living is not better than here. Well, how would you know? Would you have a family member live in one of these countries for a while? I mean, yeah, two years in Finland, my son. And their experience was awesome, and everything was, was perfect. Not awesome. Made him. It was awesome in the fact that it made him appreciate the United States of America even more. Really, which was great. I loved that. So, and there were some things he, he liked about it, right? But I yeah, mean, overall, sure. oh, and he loved the people. Loved um, the people, but the, I mean, found them to be racist. By the way, really? Yes, much more so than Americans. So there's another little thing maybe we can dispel. Mm. Um, uh, found them to be like very racist against people. I mean, think of this: it's a homogenous society. Yeah, right. It's it's five million white people all living together, and now you've got this influx of people from Africa or Asia, um, and so they're having a hard time. 
because they've never dealt with this and they're not diverse and they never have been. And now they're, they've had diversity thrust upon them. And when that happens, there is a transition period. There was in America. Um, you know, there, even Italians were different than the Americans that were here. And they had a hard time when they first came. The Irish had a hard time when they first came. You know, it takes a while to get used to each other, right? It, it just does. And you hang with people who are like-minded and like-cultured. And, and so when somebody different comes along, it it's, takes a while. I mean, it's, um, it's a t- typical white person who's had this bred into their experience um, that, you know, maybe they see someone who looks different than them uh-huh. and they're going to feel a certain way. It's just been bred into them. It's a good thing um, and, that that uh, is such a non-racial, like a post-racial uh, thing to say. Thing to say. That I thought that's what it was, yeah. Yeah. Because um, I'm not making yeah. skin color the focus here, other than the fact that I'm grouping all <laughs> white people into <laughs> all a typical white group together, as the um, president, the former president of the United States, Barack Obama, did when he said that. I mean, I don't like the way it happened, but uh, I will say uh, it feels good to say former president of the United States. Doesn't it? Feels pretty good. Yeah, it does. Feels pretty good. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, 93.3% of Venezuelans said their income doesn't support the cost for food. 93%? What a disaster. Reboot the thing. This country's in in trouble. Reboot it, throw it on Bitcoin, just Um, be done with it. They really, I guess, they really need potatoes. They can't afford those. Uh, 75% of Venezuelan population has lost an average of 19 pounds. Now, I've been now, gaining 19 pounds per week for several weeks. We found weeks. it here, yes. Uh, yeah, we did. We found it, all but of it. I mean, because I went to a uh, grocery store the other day, got very upset, because I like to buy the potatoes in the plastic wrap that I can just microwave mm-hmm. for, for seven minutes. I, I, I like those because they're easier. I don't have to put them in a... I mean, I can microwave, I guess, any potato, but I like the ones that come prepackaged. Yeah, you can. Just, you just pop it in there. Put a couple and, holes in them. And, and they mm-hmm. didn't have them at this grocery store I went to. Oh, no. Now they had, they had sweet mm. potatoes that were prepackaged. I love sweet potatoes, right? So. And they had regular sweet potatoes, and then they had another. They had regular potatoes, tons of them, but they didn't have the ones that were in the plastic. And then they had bagged potatoes that I could also just throw in the microwave. Um, but so I, uh, I didn't have that uh, that one particular kind, and that, that made me angry. And here, ninety three percent of people. Can't, can't afford get, their basic needs. Can't get a potato. Yeah, can't get a potato. It's out of their price range. I mean, it is an incredible. Yeah, again, it makes really you appreciate sad. America even more. It sure does, does the produce department package those, or is there, are they separately from a from a separate company, or does yeah. the store do that? Of course, I don't know, but I believe um, I believe it's a separate company that ships them in that way because they're okay. the same. There's a label on them, and I've seen it. I feel like I've seen it in multiple stores. Though that could be completely counterfactual. Okay. <laughs> it's very possible that that. Well, we a, live I'm in a counterfactual what, world. And so. you know, it's one of those moments <laughs> where you fine. have where you have a conversation with Jeffy, and this happens often. Where you're mm-hmm. like, "Why the hell is he asking me that? I have right. no idea." But so for some reason, you know there's some, he has nugget, some agenda. There's some agenda of, as to I why. I just wanted to know why uh, he thinks it's important. If the grocery store or a company does it, can you explain? Uh, in the days of running a produce department, mm-hmm. uh, in the past, and who knows when I might need that job again. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be a good uh, side business for the produce department from the grocery store to be cutting potatoes in half. Because you cut melons in half and you charge more for them. You put little designs oh, on them. Totally. And they charge, you make a fortune for the produce department and people eat it up and they buy it. Instead of spending 99 cents on a, like when you, take, say a cantaloupe is 99 cents. You cut it in half, you got to charge 50 cents a half. Put a couple little stars on the side. I mean, you get. Oh, you don't even have to get that creative. I, I, I go to the grocery store all the time and I buy 
diced peppers and onions in a in a little box, that's and that's totally the grocery store oh, yeah. doing that's, it. And, that, and instead that's of easy money for them, instead of eight cents, which is what the pepper and onion would cost <laughs> if I bought it and chopped it myself, yes. it's like one seventy nine. Yes, that's yeah. easy. But I am not taking the time. So to anyway, do you, ever, do you ever buy the cut up uh, fruit like bananas? Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, if you buy a, a bunch of bananas, maybe eight or ten in a bunch, and you buy strawberries in one of those big cartons. Yeah. It might cost you uh, five, six bucks. Maybe, five, six like bucks. You buy one of those things in the round that where they've cut them up. And, oh, yeah. But the, you the know the energy. Ones? Oh, you yeah. know the energy and the technology involved in cutting up <laughs> yes. fruits. It could cost you nine bucks oh, to do oh, that, or a lot more. more than that, or more. Yeah, because I mean, especially when they're unreal. They're set up nicely for like a party, and they put in like the one little thing of like yogurt dip in the middle. But again, if, you, it's like 20, if you buy them whole, those two, what do you do with them when you get them home? I don't know. I don't know. know. What are we resisting? We're resisting know. cutting out vegetables cause, and, and fruit. We don't know well, we how don't to do know. it. We, don't, we do. don't have the technology. But it takes time. You have to then wash off whatever you cook it on. Correct. you got to clean. The, you put the knife in the, in the dishwasher. It's, it's like 30 seconds much. of work. It's almost yeah. too much. And I, I just find it fascinating also since you were talking about potatoes because, I mean, my, uh, you know, you just all you do is poke a couple holes mm. in a potato and put it in a microwave. You don't need it packaged. I don't, don't, yeah, packaged. you know, you're right. And I know that intellectually. But it's like the it's like the you know like the uh, the bottled water thing, right? Like, the bottled water might not be any better uh, than the tap water, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is why the Lexapure is important, right? Like because it can it can filter out things that are even in bottled water, uh, let alone tap water. But the point there's something in my head that thinks I have to buy the one that's already wrapped. I don't know why. I mean, I guess you could just do it, right? I don't know what the difference is. And to most, be honest, most microwaves have a potato button. And you just hit that bad boy and you're good. I don't know if mine has a potato. I don't think it does. But still, I don't need a potato button. I no, know it's don't. seven minutes, right? I, I assume that the packaging... For a baked potato? Yeah, w- is, uh, packaging would uh, keep in the, some of the moisture, is what, uh, I'm gonna, uh, is what I kind of believe, so it doesn't get dried out. Is that uh, true? I don't know. I mean, Again, I don't know. Again, I like capitalism. <laughs> and if this company's taking the time to package that potato, I want to buy it. <laughs> but you're right. I, don't, I, have, I have no idea. Because okay. like, they, the, they have the bags as well. Um, uh, that they come in, and the, the little red potatoes or blue potatoes yeah. or yellow potatoes, and they come mm. in these little bags, and you throw that yeah. the whole bag in the microwave, and you microwave it for I don't know how long, seven or eight minutes, and it comes out, and they're all really delicious, and you have all the little potatoes. However, it's just a bag with a couple holes in it. Correct. Like it's not like they didn't invent some new way of cooking things. That's it's correct. A, it's they just did. a bag, but they charge me nine times the price, and I buy it anyway because I'm an idiot. Join us every day at 10 minutes after the noon hour for produce pontification. Right here. And traffic and weather are together every four minutes on the twos. I gotta say, Potato Talk Tuesday's better than James K. Polk Tuesday. Yeah, yeah it is. Thank you. Oh, That's coming back. All right. Um, now, this is kind of interesting. It's a video. You're speaking of third world nations mm-hmm. and nations you don't want to live in. Uh, North Korea is another one. We've, a video has surfaced. And this Par- is not in North Korea, though. Um, this was right. This, this, is, right. this is because of North yes. Korean leader Kim Jong Un or Un uh, killing his half brother. Um, apparently, this shows him, uh, the point of him being poisoned. Yeah. At an airport. Um, where was he? Uh, in Japan? Was he in Japan? I, I think he was in Japan. I know he he spent mm-hmm. a lot of time in Macau. Uh, Malaysia. This um, says Malaysia. So he's been all over. And he he the interesting part about this guy is he's not interested in becoming. Uh, the head dictator of North Korea. He not doesn't anymore, want it. He's not. Well, he's certainly not now, but he no. didn't want it the whole time. He got, um, he was initially supposed to become mm-hmm. 
the leader of uh, the dear leader of uh, North Korea, and then uh, Kim Jong Un's mom, who was the uh, the wife of Kim Jong Il, after so they were, had different moms. And this is Kim Jong Nam. Nam. So Nam was was going to get the gig, and then Un's mom came into the picture and was like, you know who you should give it to is my kid. Uh, now I know he's both both of them are your kid, uh, Kim Jong Il. But you should give it to my kid because my kid's better. So Kim Jong-il agreed with that, gave it to Un, which is amazing. Un beat somebody out for this job. It does not look like he's even capable of speaking, but he still beat somebody out for the job. And so Nam fled the country, and Nam's like, ah, you know, screw this. I, I've got money. I'm just going to party. I'm just going to, you know, go gamble. I'm going to drink. I'm going to party. I'm going to have fun. I don't want anything to do with that whole North Korea situation. I'm not trying to take your gig. Keep it. I don't want it. Well, apparently, uh, ill or Un did not believe that. Yeah, I mean, if you're Un, you don't believe that. No, Un doesn't believe it. I mean, he's killing everybody in his family. Yeah. Um, so I guess we have video now of the moment this happened. Uh, let's watch. So that is, uh, that's him, I guess? Yeah, they showed around the corner here. Okay, yeah. there he is, right there. Uh, looks like he's wheeling a little suitcase. No, he's the guy oh, in the Oh, he's circle. the guy with the, <laughs> with the bag now. <laughs> is he bald? And I think he might have a hat on. There. Oh, and a woman yeah. walked up behind him, and wow, that's interesting. So then he asked the airport workers for help. So he didn't keel like, over keel immediately. Over right but he's not doing. He does not seem to be walking. Then he sort of waddled off. Uh, they show him into a special area, and he doesn't look very sturdy. So can we see the moment? Can we play it one more time? And we want to see the moment that, uh, that wow, this that's, actually happened. That's really weird. Yeah. Can we see so, that again? He's standing, he's standing there, and someone just kind of does something to him. But you can't really see exactly what, and then flees. And he's standing there. This is a bizarre story, man. Yeah, it, it sure is. is. The women approach him, and they can't really see. So, yeah, okay, here comes a woman. Oh, she grabs him, and she does something to him, and then yeah. takes off. Mm. That is really weird. Wow. She must have, I think, it looks like she jammed something in his neck, maybe. Something, something over, over his, his mouth. mouth? Really? Okay. Mm. And so they take him to a medical area, and he died mm. en route to the hospital. Jeez. That's sad. Looks like an older brother, huh? Like a much older brother? I think it was an older, older brother. I don't know that uh. it's much older, but definitely older. Um, so there you go. He was, he was uh, I guess he was in his mid-40s. He looked like he was older than that. Yeah, because Kim Jong-un is only... 30, 32, yeah. somewhere in there. Uh, Mid-40s, died shortly after the attack. Uh, autopsy is going to be released uh, probably tomorrow, it's looking like. Um, so mm. there you go. Um, wow. We should find out what that substance is, and then, Jeffy, I have to meet with you later. First find out what the substance is. Well, yeah, it's after that. After, if I, I mean, unrelated, and then I obviously. wonder if we could just obtain it so we, you know, you know have it. Like. Uh, and you know, see what it looks see like, what it looks like and how it operates. I mean, we already saw that it works. <laughs> no, I know, but I mean, you never know how it. No, but we didn't. On... We didn't see the actual substance. We don't know what it looks like. Right. We, don't we know need how to find out first of all what it is. The delivery system. How to get it? Would how be the to next get thing. it? Maybe all of that, we're so. on like uh, some deep web thing. We get yeah. some of it, and then you know, bring it over, bring it over to my office, and then we need to just just have a discussion. Um, okay. You know. About the. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, oh, about no. the substance. Oh no 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 totally. 
separate from totally that. separate Completely from that. Separate. What I'm saying is that we need to have a meeting. That has nothing to do with the substance. I'm just saying that my priority list. You gotta have a priority list in life. First priority, <laughs> get the stuff. Right. Or find out what it is, then get it. Yeah. And then we need a meeting. Okay. Um, so uh, can we have the meeting anytime? Maybe you can before. stop obsessing with this, Jeffy, <laughs> and just do what you're told for once. That'd be nice. Um, <laughs> we've had this on the oh, on the docket for a couple of days, and I really want to see the trailer to Get Out. Oh yeah, yeah, because this, this uh, is a like a horror movie, but it has racial tones, racial overtones. Yeah, so some I guess like some people who are like, oh, everything's about racism are complaining about it. But remember, it's a fantasy, it's a horror movie, right? I mean, yeah. so it's supposed to create some ridiculous situation that can be exploited into uh, something that would scare you. Uh, so here it is, Get Out. Got your toothbrush? Check. Do you have your deodorant? Check. Do you have your cozy clothes? Got that. What? Do they know I'm black? Should they? You might wanna, you know. Should they? Mom and Dad, my black boyfriend will be coming up this weekend. I just don't want you to be shocked that he's a black man. <laughs> I ain't never seen you like this before, bro. Meeting family, taking road trips. Don't come back all bougie, man. Come back, get your damn hey, hands hey, hey, your hey, damn hey, stomach. Hey, hey. <laughs> Jeffy's definitely in now. So you guys coming up from the city? Yeah, we're just heading up for the weekend. Can I see your license, please? He wasn't driving. I didn't ask who was driving. I asked to see his ID. Call me Dean and you're hungry, my man. So how long has this been going on, this, this thing? <laughs> <laughs> we hired Georgina and Walter to help care for my parents. When they died, I couldn't bear to let them go. smoke in front of my daughter. I'm gonna quit. She'd take care of that for you. How? Hypnosis. I'm good, actually. You ready for this? How bad can it be? So look, I go do my research. Apparently, a whole bunch of brothers been missing in this suburb. But it's cool. Bro, how are you not scared of this, man? Couldn't see another brother around here. Chris was just telling me how he felt much more comfortable with my being here. Get out! Sorry, man. Get out! Yo! Bros, we gotta go. Is everything okay? Rose, the keys. Just get the keys. I don't know where they are. Rose! Sink into the floor. Wait, 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 wait. Sink. Mom, it's a terrible thing to waste. Terrible thing to waste. Too many white people are getting nervous. <laughs> no. No. No, 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 no. Wow. That looks pretty weird. <laughs> yeah. I don't they don't give much away, obviously. Uh, you just know something bad happens to black people at this particular real estate uh, location. <laughs> yes. I guess so, yeah. Uh, yeah, but uh, it's pretty intense. I've heard really yeah. good things about it. And oh, they really? use the word bougie. And they do use uh, my word bougie, which... Uh, do you think it's about sauce? Do you think it's about hollandaise sauce or Bernays sauce? I it's my word. Uh, bougie my sauce! Word. They use my word. It's not your word. It is my word. It's not I, your word. Oh, my gosh. It's not your word. I have coined that Are you use saying you, word for, you own the you. word Yes, I, that's exactly what I'm saying. Okay, all right, whatever. Mm. 
It's my word. Well, I guess the people who kind of came my up with it didn't believe in ownership. <laughs> so I guess technically mm-hmm. you actually might get away with that. Yeah, maybe. My word. All right. You know, uh, here's a, an actual fact, a lot like a <laughs> Jeffy fact, but this is an actual fact. Your current phone carrier doing things behind your back that you don't want them doing. They're cheating on you. Yeah, mm-hmm. with your money. I'm they're t- they're taking your money and they're giving it to people you don't want them to give it to. Spending millions, tens of millions of dollars to get conservatives out of office and to forward progressive agendas. Yeah. You look, now, look, you got Patriot Mobile. You have uh, options here. Uh, mm-hmm. Patriot Mobile offers everything that you'd expect from your phone company. You don't have to sacrifice anything uh, for this deal. You get nationwide talk and text, high-speed 4G LTE data, competitive prices, and... They're going to donate up to 5% of your monthly bill to a conservative organization of your choice. Sure, we should be willing to sacrifice certain things for other things, principles that are important to us. Yeah. But the great thing is you don't have to. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I love about this. Patriot Mobile will even buy out your current phone contract with credits up to $500. And yes, you can keep your phone number. And get great nationwide coverage, too, all while supporting conservative values. Uh, Also, call now. Patriot Mobile is going to waive the $35 activation fee. You just have to use the promo code PATANDSTEW. Nice. That's the name of the show you're watching, so it should not be hard to remember. I see. So go to PatriotMobile.com slash PATANDSTEW or call 1-800-APATRIOT. 1-800-APATRIOT. Hi, it's Pat and Stu. And Jeffy over there, too. (laughs) (laughs) Doofus. Just a goofball. Uh, Golly. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, that's that's more than we can possibly handle. (laughs) Uh, You know, David Barton and uh, Glenn took a look at slavery. And why don't they stop looking at it and maybe do something yeah, do about something it? Do something about it. You know? Like, for example, go to Bangkok or something right. and try to solve the real problem we have yes, today. right. Or Haiti. Actual slavery actually going on actually today. Actually, they, they, won't, they won't do either of those, I'll tell you that much. Well, he, he is this week. He's going there. But, oh, um, all, oh, no, you know what? The slaves are fine Haiti. with you waiting till the end of the week <laughs> to go. You know what? What's a few more days of slavery, Glenn? Good point, Stu. Thank you for making it. <laughs> In this particular episode, they they take a look at slavery. Take your time. I hope. Oh, you know what? Take a boat. Don't even fly. Right. Ride your bicycle there. Give them as much time <laughs> in the slavery as possible before you do anything. Right. Okay. <laughs> Here's what happened. <laughs> This table right now is cluttered with faces that I would say 99.9% of Americans could not name one person. I would say 99.9% of black Americans could not name one person at this table. And and that's much more focused for black history than it is for, you know, you and I, like we say, we're Americans, we're not black, white, we're Americans. But most folks have no clue who these guys are. I will tell you that I can, I think, I can name this guy. I know I can name her. Uh, and maybe him. Maybe him. Who do you think he is? That's the maybe, huh? Yeah, that's the maybe. Is he the guy? Who is the guy? 
that was with Washington his whole life. It was Prince. Pr Primus. Primus was the guy with Washington his whole life. That everybody thought was his slave, but he yeah, was. Primus. He, Premise. Yeah. That's not him? That's not him. Who is, is he on the table? No, he's not. Oh. Okay. Well, he is on the table in this book. Um, th this book, now see, William Nell. William Nell is the first black to hold any position in the federal government. So we're back, we're, we're back to the 1850 kind of frame. Before Abraham Lincoln. In, in, that, in that period of time, he is there. He's okay. active. So right. when he took office, I don't remember. Uh, but what's significant about him is he's the guy that did this book right here. And that's not a thin book. No. I mean, that's, that's, that's not thin at all. It's Colored from, Patriots. It's from 1852. Read the title on it. Colored Patriots of the American Revolution with sketches of several distinguished colored persons. Now, he doesn't spend a lot of pages on any of them. That's a whole lot of black people in the American Revolution. Wow. See, he's got short chapters on him. Yeah, very little. Very little that we get. Now, people used to know that. And then he also did this book that kind of added to it. See that one from three years later. Services of Colored Americans in the Wars of 1776 and 1812. And 1812. So now he's Nobody added more this. names. Nobody knows Nobody it. knows this. So this is That's good stuff. Fantastic. And a lot of the people we're talking about, including premise, and a premise is in there. Now, premise is not out here because, as you said, we're just showing a few of the examples. Yeah. But uh, let, me, let me just take this guy. I mean, th this guy right here is a guy named Harry Hoosier. Harry Hoosier was in the Great Awakenings. As in Indiana Hoosiers? Uh, close. It's the same kind of name. Okay. He was in the Great Awakenings. He ran in the same crowds with, with Whitfield and Bishop Asbury and Coke and all those guys, except he had bigger crowds than they did. Benjamin Rush, signer of the Declaration, said he heard Harry Hoosier preach. He said, he's the greatest orator I've ever heard. Wait a minute, you've heard, you've heard Patrick Henry, you've heard it. No, he, he said, he's the greatest orator I've ever heard. Now, the deal with Hoosier was he didn't like preaching where everybody else preached. He wanted to go out to, to people who hadn't been preached to. Yeah. And so he went as far west as he could possibly get. He went out to the wildest guys in the frontier where they do the rendezvous. And Where was uh, the wild frontier? Indiana. 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 <laughs> Indiana. Really? That was as far west as you could get. And So, as so he, you think of Hoosiers, all you think of is basketball. That's right. But with this Hoosier, he would preach to these wild guys. They'd get converted. Their lives would change, and their friend would go, what happened to him? He's one of those Hoosiers. And that's where the name came How from? How many people today know that Hoosiers is named after a black evangelist? That's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. Harry Hoosier. Wow. See, that's the kind of story. that are I remember the name there. I thought it was, Prince Whipple. Oh, Prince Whipple, yeah. yeah I now, thought it was Prince Whipple. In, in, the, in the crossing of the Delaware, Washington yeah. there in the boat. Yeah, 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 Oliver Cromwell, Prince Whipple, two black patriots of Washington crossing the Delaware. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, good call. Um, okay, can I point out somebody who I absolutely love? Absolutely. Um, Phyllis Wheatley. Phyllis Wheatley is how old when she becomes known? Um, when she becomes known... She starts her writing career of poetry when she's 12 years old. Mm -hmm. So when she's about 22 or so, uh, she's a known poetess. Uh, let, let me back up and tell the story. She's six years old. She is kidnapped out of Senegal. She is brought to America. The ship lands in Boston. A white family sees this young black girl. That's not good. So they buy her as a slave. 
because that's what she was, but they didn't treat her as she was a daughter. So they already had two daughters. They raised her as a daughter, but they bought her as a slave because that's what she was. Did they free her? Oh, yeah. Okay. And so instantly they put her in education. She's six years old, cannot speak a word of English because she is from Senegal. So she now, at six years old, enters into grammar, into math, into science, into Latin, into everything else. By the time she is 12 years old, she is writing poetry in English. So mastered the English language that you do all the rhyming and phrases and everything else that mm -hmm. goes with it. And by the time she's 22 years old, 1775, um, she wrote a poem about George Washington. Now, Washington's not that well known at this point. He's the new commander-in-chief of the military. He's appointed in 75. He hadn't won any battles yet. So she's really up to speed on the going-on. She is connected. She's Boston. She's, she's you wow. know, with all the circles. And Washington, she, she writes this poem and sends it to Washington. Washington gets it so impressed by it. He wants to bring her to read the, the poem to, to the troops because she's just so, so phenomenal. But he's really embarrassed because the poem's about me. Don't think I'm promoting myself. I'm not promoting. I want you to see Phyllis. I want you to see what she can do. So he has her read poetry to the troops, to his officers, because she is so just phenomenal at what she does. She died when she was 31 years old. Really, she, she married, um, and the marriage was not a happy marriage. Uh, the guy turned out to be a real bum, uh, left her sick, destitute, and she mm. died very young. Mm. But she wrote so many phenomenal, she is the first black poetess in American history. She is, everybody in America, most people in America know the name Maya Angelou. Mm -hmm. They've never heard of Phyllis, Phyllis Wheatley. Wheatley. And she's the Maya Angelou. She's the, That's right. the mother of poetry That's in right. America. And her, her poems were coming out published by the end of the American Revolution. So a published black poetess in America, first, first black poetess in America, published, point, and she has great poems. She has a 1770 poem on the death of George Whitfield because Whitfield was such a significant influence. Wow. And so she's got this great, and matter of fact, here's, here's her, her book of poetry, published book of poetry. And so she's got this, this poem on, on Whitfield on his death in 1770, um, on, on the death of Whitfield right here. Yeah, on the death of the Reverend Mr. George Whitfield. And I mean, as you read these poems, they're, they're pretty, they're rich stuff. This is not easy stuff that she did. See. What is this one? No, that one, <laughs> this is so politically incorrect. This may be why nobody knows about her today, because she became a Christian by coming to America. So she has this perspective on, was that God's grace? This is really short Oh my, poem. I'm this. just reading. This is her poem on coming to America. Six years old. Wow. It was mercy brought me from my pagan land. Mercy? You came here as a slave. Holy Six cow. years old? Taught, by benighted, uh, taught my benighted soul to understand that there is a God and there's a savior too. Once I redemption neither uh, sought nor knew. In some of our st uh, stable race with scornful eye, their color is diabolic dye. Remember Christians, Negroes black as Cain may be refined and join the angelic train. Wow. Wow. So that, wow. that is a, Young, remarkable, remarkable lady. 
I'm white, she's a hero. She ought to be a hero to everybody. It, it, you, it's not a race thing. And look how important her faith was to her, was mercy of God that brought me to a place where I could hear the gospel and become a Christian. Now, all you Christians remember, blacks and whites. So the only thing that's really um, uh, incorrect here is that it was mercy that brought me from my pagan land, mm -hmm. but she's chastising Christians here. That's right. Remember Christians? Christians you remember. Blacks and whites. I'm going to be up there with you. That's right. Well, you remember that was what the scripture says in Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's male nor yeah. female. I mean, this equality. So she's actually taken around by, by Benjamin Franklin, isn't she? Benjamin Franklin is one of the one who helped show her around. She had, working in that Boston Circle, man, she was just esteemed and celebrated very highly. How, how, um, how rare is this book, David? That book, I've looked for stuff from that book is Wheeler. very rare. Yeah, that, I, I that's, mean, that's a second edition. Uh, there were only two editions done, and that does not have the George Washington poem that came out in like the 1856 time frame because she gave that poem to Washington. Right. So but this was here when she was alive. That's right. This, this, was this when she is, was alive. 1802. Can I ask how, how, about how much? This I don't is? even remember. I don't remember. Now she was dead at that point. She died oh. by the end of the revolution. Uh, so she died wow. in, I think, 84, there about 1784. This is the one that came out after her death. The one during, uh, during her lifetime, it came out in like 1783, I think, the year before she died. How many copies? Don't know that either. They're rare. Uh, if you get a first edition, you will pay up high in the five figures somewhere to get a first edition of that. The second edition is not cheap, uh, but it's, no I, one, you just don't see them. You just don't no see them. No one, no child in America has ever heard of Phyllis Wheatley. No, and they should. And I, I contend a handful. At least the Indiana people yeah. ought to know from their state How history. How many in Indiana even know that story? Yeah, yeah. Shameful. It is. Shameful. And yet all we teach about black history is, the, is, the, is the mash. That's the, right. The hatred, the angry, the, the anger, and, and that's just that's that's not the case. Who's this guy? <laughs> John Morant. He is a fun story. John Morant uh, grew up in the New York area. Was sent to South Carolina uh, to learn music, and so he's in South Carolina learning music. He's about 12 years old at the time. Turns out to be a child prodigy. Really good with I think violin and French horn and whatnot, and so he's giving concerts at the age of 12. And in South Carolina, as he's given a concert, he said he went by a field with a friend one day, and there was somebody out in the middle of that field. He said, hallooing. Well, it turned out to be George Whitfield up on a keg preaching to a huge crowd that was out there. And so he went over to see what was happening. He said, it's a preacher. His friend says, why don't you climb that tree, get up behind him and blow your horn? And so he's going to go up the tree behind Whitfield, disrupt the man, and there's, there's these... See the kid in the tree behind Oh, my Woodfield? gosh, look at that. So that's the kind of stuff that happened with Woodfield's meetings. You know, he, he's in the middle of the field hallooing, and, and this is not necessarily the one that John Morant went to, but it was very common for what happened with Woodfield. So there's all these distractions. So he's going to crawl up in the tree. And do, well, Woodfield's preaching away, and Woodfield's got his back to Morant. Morant's up in the tree behind him. And so Woodfield's just preaching, and just before John started to blow that horn, Woodfield whirled and pointed up in that tree, and said, prepare to meet thy God. And he fell out of the tree, just <laughs> boom, boom. He hit the ground. Well, he lays there on the ground like he's dead. He just doesn't move. And Whitfield doesn't do anything. Whitfield just keeps preaching. Well, after about 30 minutes, Whitfield finishes preaching. He goes over, picks the kid up. He's just been frozen on the ground all the time, picks him up, 
takes him home with him. Next two days says, young man, God's got things he wants for you to do. And, you need to. and so he talked to him about God and, and meeting God and having a plan. And so Morant becomes a Christian and says, I want to share what we feel. I want to share the gospel. And so he writes home to his family and he tells his family, he said, I've become a Christian. I, I, want, to, I want to share the gospel. And they write him back and say, don't ever come home again. We don't want your kind at all. So he's now been thrown out of his family. He's sitting there 12, 13 years old, and he now has no place to go, no family, a little discouraging. So he goes wandering off out in the woods and just disconsolate and walking around out there, bumps into a Cherokee Indian brave in the woods, and they meet each other, kind of like each other. Cherokee brave says, you got nowhere to go. Why don't you come hunt with me? So for the next 10 days or so, they hunt out in the woods together, and the Cherokee brave says, well, I'm going to go back to my village. Why don't you just come with me? you got no place to stay. And so Morant goes with them, and they walk into that village. When they walk in, the Cherokee chief sees John, and he's obviously not Cherokee. He said, you're not Cherokee, and he ordered the braves to come kill him on the spot. So here come the braves to, to follow him, kill him. Did he say, prepare to meet your God? What he said was he started preaching to them in Cherokee, and nobody knows where he learned Cherokee. He started preaching the gospel to them in Cherokee. The Indian chief gets converted, and the Indian chief says, why don't you live among the Cherokee and just visit all the other? The other chiefs need to hear what you've just shared with me. He, 13 years old, becomes the first black American successfully to evangelize Native Americans. Spoons, spoons okay. is coming up, uh, which is very exciting. Uh, but this is kind of weird. I, I don't know why this guy is doing this, but he will eat a picture of Jason Siegel, the actor, <laughs> every day until Jason Siegel eats a picture of him. Wait, what? Yeah, there's a guy who will eat a picture of Jason Siegel every day until Jason Siegel says, "Hey, well, okay, I'll eat a picture of you." Uh, he's not, why would he ever do What's, that? Yeah, why would he do like, that? Like, I don't care if you're eating a picture of me. Go ahead. <laughs> I don't know. In fact, this here's some internet. more pictures of me you can buy. Right. This is the internet, right? It's uh, yeah. what happens on the internet. It's people are fascinated on the internet by people who do very bizarre things for seemingly no gain. And this is one of those. Mm -hmm. uh, here's a look at this guy. I eat a picture of Jason Siegel every day until he eats a picture of me. And there it is. Okay. He's, oh, it's a big picture, too. Yeah, it is. He's I was a big wondering. Guy. I was wondering who Jason Siegel was, and <laughs> now, now know. I know. Right. But like, what? He's eating the border. You don't cut it out, so you don't have to. Weird. Wow. Now this is just a desperate plea for Jason Siegel's attention, right? Like he I think desperate so. plea for He's anyone's attention. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you're right. Maybe that's more pure. And he really. I mean, it seems to be paper, and it seems to really be. Yeah, he's eating yeah. it. Yeah. Wow, that's it. that's weird that and really pointless weird and probably not good for you. So for him, what like the ultimate win here for him is Jason Siegel to eating eat a picture, the picture of and they have this nice funny moment together. Then what happens? Right, so? then it's over. It's it, you know weird. I like you know it kind of reminds me a little bit of like the people who will be like I I'm asking Lady Gaga to yes. the prom. Yes, and then like mm -hmm. Lady Gaga's supposed to say Oh, I'm gonna go with you even though I don't want to, but now I look like a jerk if I don't, so I will. 
and then they yeah. go to the prom, and then there's never really any story. There's no follow up. It's just like they went to the prom with Lady Gaga or whoever the celebrity is. Here, it's even less because you're you're getting no benefit out of it except, I guess, the incredible small amount of fame that comes from being shown on shows like this. <laughs> yeah, this is probably. The attention yeah. is what you're right, Jeff. Yeah, it's, it's gotta be. But I mean, his win is eventually Jason Siegel acknowledges him, and then he feels important. Like this. Yeah, is but the, how long? Do, if you're right. He's but how long does it go that. before uh, you know? Before when he realizes uh, I've eaten Jason Siegel now for uh, yeah. 75 days. Yeah. Do no, we do we know how many days this I don't has know. happened? Just Any, day three. Anybody know? He's only on like for the fourth day. He's on the fourth day of it. He's only in the fourth day. Okay, so. he's done this oh. four times. Big deal. Um, well, much Get back to me when it's 400. <laughs> when he's done right? it 400 times and Jason Siegel still hasn't eaten. Actually, if he game. makes it that long, Jason might show up then. Yeah, right? maybe. Eric, at some know. point, this becomes like, either it just goes away know. and no one cares, right. or it becomes a big enough kind of funny story that Jason Siegel actually participates. He's eating yeah. Jason Se- a again, picture of Jason Siegel, 822 days. But again, it gets to that point where you think to yourself, even if I win, what have I won? I don't think this kid ever thinks that. No, so. I don't no, think probably so. Not. I don't think he does. Um, if you think, you know, something else that uh, tastes only slightly better than paper is coming back, uh, making a comeback. Here's a commercial from the 1990s. So, you're all set for a barbecue. Look what my mom got. You're going to eat that? Man? Brain food, Kevin. What's the classic alcohol beverage with burgers and dogs? I don't eat meat, you guys. Cheddar, Gruyere. I'm going to wait for my burger, man. Yeah. You guys want whale? No. Oh, 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 you're putting that there. The Where's the cheese? Look at that. There's burning. Oh, man, that's hot. Oh, hey. Pile it on. Pile it on. Give me more. Hey, are those free-range burgers? Who cares? Have a Zima. Don't let that touch my burger, man. Just, uh, see a bunch of guys on a roof just, uh, having a barbecue. Some ladies there. I was going to have some Zima. Just hang out. <laughs> that did not happen, and that's why Zima failed. But it's coming back. It's funny. I was reading something about this as they did this. Oh, yeah, uh, Coors. Um, I think it was this article, but Coors um, said basically they screwed it up. Like they, they had it out there. It was hot for a while. It started fading away. Then they tried to change the formula. They did Zima Gold, which did not work, and then they just shut the whole thing down. I used to call it Alcoholic Sprite. Yeah, that's pretty that's much, pretty pretty that much what it, it was. Like? Yeah, it was like alcoholic spray. Yeah, really. To me, I mean, that's how I used to remember it. Okay. Um, but it was not uh, not what I would call delicious. Uh, not not. I don't remember. I don't remember it being good, at all. I don't remember it. You don't at remember Zima at all? It was a no. kind of a cultural phenomenon really. for several years. Was it? Yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, it was. I, I don't pay that much attention yeah. to alcoholic yeah. beverages. Why would you? Right. You know. Yeah. Why not? All right. Triple eight seven two seven back eight 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 seven two seven B E C K. Got an episode of Spoons coming up. Yes, food. Yes. Oh, Where's the food? food? If Zima does come back out, I think we should do a taste test on Spoons. Oh, we have to. We have to, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, not, you guys not, can do that. Not Pat, but Jeffy and myself. Why not Pat? Yeah, what the heck? Uh, uh, spoons. All right, uh, welcome to Spoons. Uh, first of all, we'll lead off with Jeffy's special spoons today. Uh, Jeffy's doing his own spoons that we're not <laughs> participating in. I'm going to start. This is day one. Mm-hmm. Uh, me eating Pat Gray uh, every day <laughs> until Pat Gray. Uh, decides to come and eat me. Can you throw in a picture of in that sentence? That's great. What photo is that? That's from Houston. That's from Houston. my favorite photo of that, right? Uh, I think that's early years of Houston, too. 
I'll tell you, I need some milk. That's for sure. Yeah, so you got the milk reference in there. I nice. Hate, I hate him. Actually, nice. you could probably fit it in the, the milk That's reference good, in our product of today that we're trying. Uh, right Are here. you really going to do that every day until I eat oh. a picture of you? Oh, fat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Good, yes. good. I'm excited. <laughs> Cinnamon bun Oreos are the actual product we're trying today. Uh, there it's they always are. Oreos. Oreo is the most inventive company on this planet. And Nabisco yeah. is a tremendous company. They're always no thinking of that. something else to do with this they product. Are. and it's a, it's a successful product, and yet they keep tweaking, and they keep bringing new stuff. Cutting and edge. Yeah. We're very so excited let's, about this. Uh, without any cinnamon. further ado, let's eat it. See what happens. Oh, that smells good. Does it smell like cinnamon? I, I will say I'm a big uh, cinnamon cookie cake cinnamon type of fan. Cinnamon cookie Oreos, and for some reason I got a defective one without a lid. Hmm. All right, well, let's uh, take. I like to take. They do smell like in cinnamon. In full context, buns. first. Oh, they smell really the, good. They pass the smell test. They smell good. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. Oh, good. Mmm. It tastes like a crunchy cinnamon bun. Yeah, I mean, kind of. With There's the, not a burst of cinnamon that I was expecting initially, mm -mm. but the, it seems like, I mean, I, I, you know, I like to... It's there in the background. Yeah, it's kind of like a, an aftertaste a little bit. I'm going to try, because this might just be the golden Oreo cookie. Mm -hmm. That's what we have here, Pat. Mm -hmm. I have here is a golden Oreo cookie with a cinnamon cream. So the cookie doesn't give you that burst of cinnamon I was expecting on the first bite, but it gives you that. Mm. They should have put cinnamon... In the cookie. A cinnamon cookie. Would that have been overload? Because I will say, this cream in isolation mm. is really strong cinnamon taste. I'm pretty Which, good. I'm a fan. Mm -hmm. Overall, I like the cookie. Mm -hmm. um, I would give it uh, on our scale from 1 to 18, which is the highest number Jeffy knows. I would say, uh, I'd give it, a, give it a 14. Really? Yeah. Pat? For Nabisco? You know... I like it. I'm not a, I've said this many times, not a huge Oreo lover. We're good. I, I'm a fan of the company because, as I said, they're very innovative. Uh, but I like cinnamon buns, and this tastes kind of like them, and uh, they're good. Would you buy And I'm really hungry right now. So I know. Would you buy the product? No. I would buy these. I mean, but I think I would, too. I, I'd give it a 12 because I wouldn't buy them. Okay. I, I don't know what the standard is for actual purchase. What would you do, Jevy? What mm. number? If I was going to buy it, you got to go with what? 11 and a half to 12 and a half would be a purchase, the product that you'd purchase. <laughs> 11 and a half. It's a Somewhere in there, that'd be a product numbers. that you would purchase. We really need to come up with a whole scale of show. Like, this is the, you buy them at this area, you eat them yeah, at a party yeah. at this area. Yeah. If you got nothing in the house, you eat these. Uh -huh. what, would, what would Pat Gray be? I don't know. But that is really weird. Mm. Yeah, you're odd. Really you're weird. weird. You're odd. And you still didn't even get to his head.